G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we are going over statistical scarcity. What does it mean? How can you use it in your drafts to have the best draft possible? And we're going to go through every position and see what's scarce at what times. Let's go! Talking about G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. We're talking about statistical scarcity today, and um, it's a it's a topic that often I think is a bit underrated and a bit um, you know we we kind of mention it in, in other podcasts and things over um, throughout the preseason and during the season, um, but. Today we're going to go into a bit of a deeper dive, and I've done a bit of an exercise here today, which I think is going to be very interesting for you guys to sort of see the results of that one, and it actually surprised me with a few different categories, which I thought were uh, relatively easy to find later on, but compared to how I project them, might be a little bit harder than initially thought, but we'll get to that in a second. Before we do, though, I've got two exciting announcements. The first announcement is that the Ball Boys Season Guide is going to be back again this year. I'm hoping that it's going to be back bigger and better than ever with a couple of added features. Now, the feature that I'm most excited about is going to be my... Uh, projections are going to be included in this time in this season guide as well as the rankings that we did last year. So last year we did the rankings which was a bit more of a subjective list with all of everything included uh, in terms of what I think about their injury history, what I think about their punts and different things and where I would kind of vaguely draft a certain player. My projections is just the numbers and the numbers in terms of what I expect players to be averaging and they correlate out or sorry, add up to three different rankings. The first one is your nine category ranking. So probably most useful for Roto Leagues. Um, The minus one rankings, which we've talked about in a previous podcast, where we're talking about the best categories, um, best seven categories, I should say, plus 25% weight to turnovers. So that leaves the player's worst category off the sort of... um, Equation and the calculation. So, for example, someone like Ayanis, when he's ranked sort of outside the top 50 in a nine category projection with a minus one ranking, he's much closer to that first round. So, for me, it's a better way to understand where to draft in head to head league. So, that's going to be included. And also, everyone's points value in a Yahoo standard points format. So, it, I'm hoping that those projections can help cater to everyone of all the major scoring formats in terms of points, Roto and head-to-head categories so that you guys can have an idea that for your draft and for your um, specific settings of how I value these players and how I project them to be. So in those rankings, in those projections, I should say, I've got 250 players, so I've gone extra deep as well in those projections um, for you guys to to look through. So that's included there. I'm also going to be doing a points league top 150, a category leagues top 150, and then um, might be able to try and get around to a dynasty rankings. I've definitely got some dynasty rookie rankings in there as well. We'll see how much time I can get up to. I don't want to overpromise, but we will also potentially have some dynasty rankings coming 
in the future as well for all of you Dynasty managers, but um, we'll see how all that goes. So, And plus, we're also going to be having articles and um, during the season, some uh, question answer podcast exclusive for those people who do sign up. So um, stay tuned. It's going to be hopefully, fingers crossed, not locking myself in anything, but hopefully coming at some time next week when everything is all done. The last thing with that is if you did sign up to the uh, season guide last year, the way I'm going to be running like the the processing of the payments and things like that will be slightly different. So if you have that membership still active, um, go and I, I try to turn it off. Uh, again, I, I think it's all, all sweet, but just in case there's a little bug in there and uh, I don't want you guys losing any of your hard-earned money, um, go and make sure you sort of take that off. And when you go to sign up to the, the season guide again this year, you'll re-enter your details and it will just purchase for the season and it won't um, sort of deduct anything in future years or anything like that. It'll just be for the, for the entire season and then that's it. So hopefully you won't have to worry about that anymore. But if you do have something that's, you know, sending you email reminders or anything like that, unsubscribe to that because that won't give you access to this year's season guide. It'll be a different system. So just uh, make sure you guys have done that. The second exciting announcement is this year I'm going to be running some fantasy basketball leagues for my listeners and anyone else who wants to, well, anyone obviously who's listening wants to get in, uh, involved. I'm definitely going to be running a 30-team category league head-to-head format um, at this stage and I potentially I'm not committed to it yet potentially will be running a 30 team points league head-to-head format as well Um, the second one I want to wait and sort of see how much interest there is out there so if you are keen on versing myself and uh, 28 other people who listen to this podcast, fans of the show, in a points league format, go and drop that in the comments. Let me know if you would be interested and keen. And if I get enough of a response from that, I will um, probably get that one up and running. But the category league will definitely be going ahead. Um, to join the um, category, league, category league, I'm going to give you guys a step-by-step instructions on how to join that at the end of the podcast. So I don't waffle on too long before we get into the meat of the show um, on how to join that one. But... A little hint, you've got to make sure you are following me on Twitter or X at Ball Boys Fantasy at a minimum. So stay tuned to the end of the show and we'll talk about how to join the 30-team Ball Boys Championship. Okay, so stay tuned for that one there. Um, I will be announcing and getting invites out probably in a few weeks, not just yet, but I'm starting to sort of get... Um, the word out there on people to join that one. So stay tuned for the end on how to join that one. But let's talk statistical scarcity. Now, what is statistical scarcity other than a bit of a tongue twister to say many times on a podcast? What we're talking about here is how rare do certain categories become the further we get into the draft? So we know that obviously in category leagues, we're thinking about nine categories, um, you know, standard points, rebounds, assists, three steals, blocks, field goal percentage, free throw percentage, and turnovers. But are they all equal at certain points in the draft? You know, is it is it better to chase certain categories earlier or certain categories later? Are some harder to find later? We've talked a lot about before about some categories such as points and assists being harder to find later. But Today, we're going to go through a bit of an exercise, and I've gone through my projections. So my uh, And for this exercise, I'm using my minus one ranking because I think this is closer representative to ADP data. Now, I could have used ADP data, but the only thing about that one is Yahoo and different sites are going to be updating their ranks come close to the season. So I didn't want to base this all on ADP data on the 30th of August just for it to change later on. So... 
We're going to be using my minus one rankings there. So again, I'm going to be going through and breaking up into different groups. I've got the top 25, the next 25, 26 through 50, 20, uh, sorry, 70, 51 through 75, 76 through 100, and 100 to 125. I haven't gone any deeper than that because in a standard draft, when you're getting outside pick 120, 125, you're just looking for flyers and upside anyway. So you're not necessarily looking for particular stats for your team. So for that top 125, we're going to go through 25 player increments and I guess get an average of each category and how much of a difference there is between those kind of um, sections in the draft and where we can identify the drop-offs in certain categories so that we know that at this point in the draft, there's, there's no longer as much of that category available. It's going to be harder to find, thus making it a more scarce category and we might need to prioritize and move it up our um, board in terms of trying to target earlier. Now, obviously, doing this exercise, the best players in the draft are going to be at the start of the draft. So for the majority of them, as we get down, they are getting more and more scarce as the better players go off the board. However, some of the results might surprise you and not every category gets worse in every section. So we'll get onto that more in a second. So let's get into the exercise here. I hope it makes a bit more sense once we start getting into it and you'll sort of see what I mean. But we're starting going category. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. By category. Now, in this one here, points, our first one. So how many points per game does a player score? Now, in the top 25, we've got an average of 25.83 points per game. So... Obviously, the best players in the NBA, uh, best players in fantasy basketball score a lot of points, and obviously that is reflected here in that top 25 average. After that, from 26 through to 50, they scored 20.15 points per game. So that's a decrease of 22%. So it's a pretty sizable decrease there as as well. Um, and you'll notice in this thing here, for everyone who's watching along on YouTube, that that average decreases each of the first four intervals. So after top 50, it can be pretty hard to get someone who averages over 20 points per game. And this is what we've talked about before about points being a hard category to make up as well. It can be difficult to find those players that average more than 20 points per game. And we do see this reflected in this number where the average points per game inside the top 50 is higher than that 20 points per game. After that, it drops down. So 50 to 75, it's 18.41. And 75 to 100, it's 14.31. And interestingly, at the 100 to 125, it's 14.64. So by the time you get closer down to the 75 to 100, all of the guys who are decent fantasy players that score decent points are basically gone. By then, you're looking at players that if they are scoring points, they're doing a lot else poorly. So their ranking doesn't really um, you know, improve because of that. Or you've got guys who aren't scoring very well and are doing other things well. So once you're getting outside the top 75, it looks like that the points are pretty barren by that point. So um, And especially inside the top 50, which kind of supports, I guess, the theory that we've had all along. But interestingly enough, 
There's a decrease in every rank, so we go down 22% outside the top 25, down another 9% or 8.6% inside the top 50. Then we go down another 22% inside the top 75. And then by the time we get to the rank 100 to 125, it's actually only a 1%. It's actually a 1% increase, so they average more points according to my minus one rankings. So once you're outside those top 75-ish players... Very difficult to get a guy who is going to help you win uh, scoring and be really a net positive anywhere else. So just an interesting one to keep in mind. This next one I thought was also extremely interesting and it sets up a little bit of a theme for me for a lot of these categories, which supports, I guess, a bit of a um, subjective view I had, but now I've got some more objective data to, to support it. So this one here, rebounds. Now, in the top 25, the average in rebounds is 6.75. Interestingly, though, between 26 and 50, the average is 6.79. So we actually see a slight increase in the average, which tells me that rebounds throughout the top 50 are fairly readily available, and there's no urgency to go inside the top couple of rounds to get those high rebounders because you can make that up in those next few rounds. And you can actually see here, again, just for those who are watching on YouTube, we stay around that 6.7, 6.79. The next one, 50 to 75, is 6.55, 75 to 100, 4 point, uh, sorry, 6.42. And then in the last one, outside the top 100, we dip below five rebounds per game at 4.93. So actually for rebounds, they are very consistent the entire draft until we get to about that rank 100 and below then they start to really dry up. But there are players throughout the entire draft inside that top 100 that can give us some good rebounds and still contribute to a lot of other categories. So for me, this this devalues the or okay, de-incentivizes me to really go out and target my rebounds early in drafts because between the top five, top 25 and the you know top 100, there's actually not too much of a difference in terms of average rebounds per game. So if I'm looking for scarce numbers, rebounds falls quite low on that list there, which I thought was definitely quite interesting um, in that one there. Next category here, assists. This one, again, it took me a little bit by surprise because of these numbers after top 25, but inside the top 25, there is a... Um, we've got 6.09 assists is the average. And then there's a huge fall-off. One of the bigger fall-offs inside from round one to... Oh, sorry, the top 25 to the next um, lot, which is 3.99. So that's actually a nearly a 35% decrease in, um, in, in that average, I guess, with the assists. So down from six to just below four, which is a pretty big decrease. And then it kind of levels off a little bit. Between 50 and 75, it's still at 3.82. A little bit of a drop between 75 and 100 at 3.22. And then again, it ticks back up a little bit to 3.52. So really what this tells me, this combined with the rebound staying fairly flat throughout those first early rounds, assists taking a steep drop off after the top 25, is that if you want to be competitive in assists and you also want to be competitive in rebounds, you need to prioritize getting those assists earlier and getting the rebounds later because after those first two picks in your draft, if you're in a 12-team league, those assists will typically dry up very, very quickly. And then after that, the rest of the top 100, top 125, 
they're kind of fairly level um, from what it looks like here, which is which is quite interesting. I thought there would be a little bit more of a drop-off after the top 50, but according to my projections, um, it is actually really concentrated in those first two, maybe three rounds. Again, these projections might not exactly mirror the ADP data. I might have some players higher than they might be going in drafts. So really, if we're going to be safe here, the top three rounds, you want to be getting some big assist numbers if you want to be competitive in that category. Which again, it's something we kind of knew of, but I think it just illustrates to the degree that that is the case and how early it does really, really dry up. Because you've got players like Tyrese Halliburton, um, uh, players like uh, Trey Young, players like uh, James Harden, all these guys, Luka Doncic, um, Nikola Jokic, all of these guys are the big assist getters. Uh, I think Devin Booker is going to be big this year. Um, they're all they're all going inside those first couple of rounds. Uh, Lamelo Ball is another one. Um, so all these guys are the big heavy hitters in assists, and they're all going inside those first couple of rounds. So that definitely uh, drops that average pretty significantly after that. Let's look at threes now. Again, the the old adage for threes, and this surprised me a little bit as well, the old adage of threes is that you can get a lot of threes late. And to a certain degree, that is true. But again, inside the top 25, you've got an average of 2.34. And then a significant drop again to 1.61 outside the top 25 to 50. And then again, it kind of levels off all the way through to actually the 100 to 125 ranked group where they're the second highest of all of these things. So again, threes, it's funny because you can get them late compared to the rest of the draft, but there are still a lot of players in that first couple of rounds. Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, LaMelo Ball, Fred Van Vliet, these guys that do put up elite numbers when it comes to three-point scoring. So um, not quite as big of a drop, 31.2% drop from 25 to the, uh, the uh, 25 to 50 range but still a, a pretty decent jump. And then again, it kind of flattens out a little bit. So again, maybe a little bit more highlighting the fact that, again, you want to be competitive in this category, those guards early on that shoot some threes, or if you want to go uh, elite big, if he shoots a good amount of threes, that's good. Or even if he's just subpar in threes, it is something that maybe this data would suggest challenging that notion of that it is easy to make up in. It, it, it isn't impossible, but it definitely might not be quite the simple task as what we maybe thought of. It might be something that we need to pay a bit more attention as we go throughout the draft and not just rely on those guys that are at the back. However, with that said, it is clear from, well, at least from this um, thing here that after that first two ra- those first couple of rounds, the, the importance of threes after that point is fairly minimal because it stays pretty level throughout the entire um, rest of the draft. Let's look at some steals. So steals, again, we also kind of like threes. We kind of think we can get it. Similar kind of story, though. Top 25, 1.2 average in steals. After that, between 26 and 50, uh, 0.93, 0.91 in the next group, up to 75, 0.98, 76 to 100, and outside the 100, 0.9. So again, Decent drop-off, about a 32% drop-off after the first round and then fairly level throughout the rest of the draft. So those elite steel guys, again, we've got players in there, um, Tyrese Halliburton, um, you know, Jimmy Butler, players like LaMelo Ball in there, Kawhi Leonard, 
uh, Paul George, Fred Van Vliet, all of these players here, Anthony Edwards, who are really, really good steals guys, even someone like a Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, Shea, all of these guys are putting up really good steal numbers because of that they are ranked obviously quite high. So these players, we know the best players, they, they put up the most amount of stats, so we expect a drop-off. So again, about a 30% increase was a little bit more than I um, predicted, but fairly readily available throughout the draft. So maybe not something that we absolutely have to target really uh, early and urgently in the draft. But again, if your first couple of picks don't or are quite low in steals comparatively, it might be more difficult to make up than you uh, otherwise potentially thought. Next one here again, very interesting, very interesting, this one, blocks. And this is one that I was kind of hoping to see a similar kind of um, output or, or sort of um, data that suggested this. Top 25.72. And I think outside of rebounds, let me let me double check the rebounds here. Rebounds went up slightly. Blocks went up a decent amount between 26 and 50. There were more shot blockers in the next part of the draft than the first couple of rounds. And this, again, supports what we are seeing in drafts with players like Walker Kessler, um, Nicholas Claxton, um, Wembenyamba, Chet Holmgren, Miles Turner. All of these guys are being drafted in those next, you know, rounds three to five. Those are where a lot of those guys are going. So you don't have to go and chase blocks early on in the draft. And if you are punt, if you are drafting someone in the first couple of rounds that don't block shots, that doesn't automatically need, mean that you need to go into a punt blocks strategy. What will happen is after that second group, so that 25 to 50, if you do want to be competitive in blocks, and because I think that there are going to be a lot of blocks required to be competitive this season, you probably do want to be getting a guy that gives you decent blocks within those first four to five rounds. You want to have at least one guy in there that can give you close to one and a half to two blocks per game. And I think if you don't have that by that point, then that might be a time where you look to punt that category because in the next you know, 50 to 75, 75 to 100, there is still um, blocks available, equal as amount as there are in the first couple of rounds. But after pick 100, it dramatically falls off. So we've got less than half a block per game as the average for the guys in 100 to um, 125. So again, if you're trying to be competitive in blocks, you probably want to be looking at those guys just before pick 100 to secure that second high volume shot blocker to really make sure you're up there. Because after that, you know, around about approximately that round 100 um, spot, they do dry up uh, fairly considerably because obviously if you've got good block numbers, I'm projecting you have good block numbers, it's going to boost up your rankings a little bit there. So that one was very interesting and combining that with the rebounds, it's, it's leaning towards making sure that in those rounds three, four and five, that those big guys are probably more of the target in that group of the draft and the guards that give you good points and assists uh, and threes uh, in the first couple of rounds, maybe more of a priority. All right, let's talk about field goal percentage. Now, these field goal percentages were, or field goal and free throw percentage, are a little bit more tricky. I'm not going to give you the raw numbers because remember, we are taking into account the volume and the attempts. So it wouldn't really work. It wouldn't be illustrative enough if I just gave you the average free throw percentage. So what I've got, got up on the screen here is actually the Z score for each of those um, categories. So for field goal percentage on YouTube here, that 0.04 number there represents the Z score. So that is um, the standard deviation away from the average of those numbers, um, which is a little bit more fancy, but it just gives you a good understanding of the impact rather than just the sheer 
average in shooting percentage, if that makes sense. So someone like a Zion Williamson has a higher impact percentage because he's shooting 60% on 20 attempts versus someone like a Walker, or maybe it's a bad example, someone like a Jarrett Allen who shoots the same percentage but only on seven attempts. Um, That's going to be less impactful. So that's what I've got up here on the screen here. So top 25, again, interesting results here. Top 25, you've got 0.04 um, Z score, and then in the 25 to 50, you've got the highest average of this group. So it's 40 as uh, 0.04, sorry, 0.45. If I get my words out, so that is the highest of that group. So again, if we combine that with the data we've seen with the rebounds and the blocks, I mean, it kind of makes sense that these are my projections and these kind of correlate well with them. But at least the way I'm seeing drafts going at this stage is that a lot of those guys are really good targets in those second and third, sorry, third through fifth rounds. Drops up a little bit after pick 50. So again, we saw the blocks and rebounds kind of staying there, but the field goal percentage, so rebounds was was quite similar. The blocks was nearly identical as well, but the field goal percentage is starting to come down. So when you go from outside the 50 to the 75, we are seeing a drop in field goal percentage whilst those rebounds and blocks are staying relatively similar. So we do see a, a faster fall away in field goal percentage than those other typical big man stats. So if those are things you're talking about, maybe you are focusing more so on those field goal percentage rather than the other two um, if you're sort of splitting hairs there. And then again, once we get to 75 to 100, it drops it down even further. And then outside the top 100, you're into the negative. So guys are not really anymore helping your field goal percentage. You're actually actively hurting your field goal percentage. So um, very difficult to make up after pick 100. And then this one is is probably, if not, it probably is the most interesting for me in the free throw percentage category because when we get into the free throw percentage category, again, we're talking Z scores. So in the top 25, the Z score for free throw percentage is 1.6, which is actually huge. It's a massive, massive um, you know, Z score for the top 25. If we go down to the next group, 0.44. So it's 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 actually a massive, massive difference. So if I make this um, via a percentage increase, it's it's a 72% decrease from the top 25 to the next group. So compared to some of the other categories like assists, for example, the assists was a, a drop in by 34.4%. The points was a drop in 32%. Um, the threes dropped by 31%. Steals by 32%. So... Compared to all of those other ones that saw the drop from round one to round two, free throw percentage was by far the biggest one, more than double anything closer to it. So in terms of free throw percentage, it is the most scarce category to get outside of the first two rounds. And it makes sense. You know, players like James Harden, players like um, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Trey Young, um, all of these good players inside the um, the top couple of rounds are putting a big boost to your free throw percentage value. Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, um, Joel Embiid last season. Um, you know, even players like Steph Curry, uh, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler is up there as well. Devin Booker. All of these players, Donovan Mitchell, all these guys are putting up lots of attempts and hitting them at a high high degree. Um, even the, the big men, who maybe weren't giving you those assists and uh, threes that correlated strongly as well 
are still putting up really good free throw percentage. So players like a Jokic, players like an Embiid, even someone like a Jaron Jackson Jr., again, probably not big in the assists uh, market there, but even he's giving you positive uh, contribution to free throw percentage. So it is definitely the hardest category to make any significant headway into after you have gone outside those first couple of rounds because um, those big... Um, high impact, getting to the line a lot kind of guys just aren't there anymore. Um, So that is a very interesting one and probably gives a little bit more of a weighting towards that punt free throw percentage. And it it kind of summarizes why I feel strongly about, um, even though a player like Luca, you, you look at his free throw percentage and you think, look, it's not that bad. It's not like automatically punt worthy. But if you don't get someone in the second round, like the very next pick to offset that, it's going to be very difficult to over, overcome that because of the volume that Lucas shoots at. Um, and, and even someone who's just kind of average, you know, an Anthony Davis, um, you know, someone like Jaron Jackson Jr., someone like Anthony Edwards, who a lot of people are really keen on drafting on that turn. Look, I'm projecting him to be a very slight negative in free throw percentage this season. And um, again, if you don't pair that with someone who's a very high positive, you're going to be very you're going to very quickly fall behind in that category. So it might lend itself more to just punting it and not worrying about it because like we see on this data here, 25 to 50, and even from that, that point to the next point, it's another huge drop-off. So we, get, again, go down another 83%. It's actually a bigger drop-off from, 83, from 0.44 to 0.46. 0.06, I should say. It's another 83% um, decline. So outside the top 50, you're basically just getting guys who are net neutral in free throw percentage. They're not actually helping you much at all. Um, even if you were looking after it, it's not going to make too much of a difference. And then in the 75 to 100, you're averaging negative impact. And at 100 to 125, it's very similar, very close to neutral. So inside the top 25 are your big heavy hitters. Inside the top 50, are maybe there's a couple of guys in there, some players like a Jordan Poole, um, players like a DeMar DeRozan, those kind of types. They can be found, but they're in very specific players. For the general and the most part, extremely difficult to find. Um, so of all of the categories, I would actually say outside of the first round, free throw percentage is the hardest to find. I would then say assists is the next. Points is an interesting one because the drop-off between the first couple of rounds to the next round isn't as big, but we see it every um, sort of interval dropping a pretty decent chunk. So I would say that is the next thing to focus on. Funnily enough, threes was another one and steals were kind of close together that first couple of rounds. But after that, it's pretty level. Um, and then the the blocks, rebounds, especially those two, you can get throughout the draft fairly comfortably. In fact, they are more readily available in the second uh, grouping, so 26 to 50. And then field goal percentage is similar, but then after pick 50, field goal percentage does start to drop away. So very, very interesting. I guess it does lend itself more to getting those guards and high-volume scorers, three-point shooting, free-throw percentage hitting guys early in drafts, and then getting some of those maybe field goal percentage anchoring players in those next rounds, the blocking players that if you want to, or that's when you make that decision on Am I going to punt this if a few of those guys go off the board before your pick in that third or fourth round? So those are always around the kind of spots where you have to make those kind of decisions. Um, And I think that this data is just something that can support that with a bit of objectivity. So 
That will do it for this section of the podcast. Now, like we said at the top of the show, guys, we're going to go through how you can join the Ball Boys Championship 30, which is the 30-team um, it's a redraft league, so one season, and we're going to be doing a slow draft. It's going to be a $25 entry. Uh, we'll talk through some of the prizes and that on a future episode. But to join, what you need to do, number one, you need to be following me on Twitter, at Ball Boys Fantasy. That is crucial. You need to be making sure that you are following. If you don't have Twitter, you can just sign up and then follow me and no one else. That's cool. Um, to get into the draft, you have to be on Twitter so I can contact you. It's probably just the easiest way for me. Number two, over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, um, whichever you use, you're going to go over and give the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball a five-star rating. I mean, you can give it a four-star rating, but I don't think that helps your chances getting into the league. Um, you're going to give it a five-star rating. Give it as much of a creative rating as you can. So the funniest, the most creative, the ones that stand out to me are going to have a better chance. And in that rating, I want you to give me your Twitter handle. Now, it needs to be in the rating because it can get quite confusing. I know sometimes you've got to put a title, you've got to put a username, but in the actual rating there, the, the comments, the um, the review section, put your Twitter handle in there. And then if I like your review, if it stands out to me, I'm going to contact you on Twitter and I'm going to be sending you the invite um, when I am sending invites. It won't be for a couple of weeks. I'm going to give lots of people a chance to get their submissions in. But when I am picking the um, 30 or 29 people that are going to be joining myself, I am in the league. So you're going to be coming up against me. Um, and when you do that one, I'm going to send you an invite and we can get started. I'm thinking that the drafting is going to be a slow draft and it will be starting sometime in October, probably earlier in October, so we have enough time to get through it all. Lots of people from different countries, so it will be a slow draft for that reason. Um, and the other thing is it will be a weekly head-to-head league. So lineups are locked every week because it's a 30-team league. Um, there's not too much streaming around on waiver wires required. So weekly lineups will be the format there. So make sure you guys do that. If you have any questions about how to submit or anything to clarify, drop it in the comments over on YouTube below or tweet me at Ball Boys Fantasy. But good luck. Drop those reviews down in there, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.